What's going on, everybody? Dan Urban here, along with Scott Fontana and Where the Couchside Judges. Hard to believe there haven't been any live, high-level fights for more than a month, but Scott and I have been having a blast looking back at some great, closely contested championship fights from the past. And this week, we did it again. We're diving into one of the closest UFC lightweight title fights of the past decade, Benson Henderson versus Gilbert Melendez. That's right, Dan. In past judgment, we'll put that five-rounder through the rigors of our own CSJ judging system to see if an alternate scoring system could have manifested a different outcome than the split-decision victory that went Bendo's way. That fight led to a lot of fan outcry that night, both in the arena and at home for those watching on Fox, almost exactly seven years ago. That's the main course for today's show. We've got a little appetizer regarding UFC's plans to start airing live fights again next month amid the coronavirus pandemic. UFC President Dana White announced at the end of last week that his organization wants to hold three events within eight days at Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. No fans will be in attendance. The first, targeted for May 9th, would be UFC 249 and be a pay-per-view with a pair of title fights. Dan, I refuse to believe that the fights happen until I see two men with gloves locked inside of a cage, standing there on ESPN. Other than the fact that I really, really want these fighters to be paid and avoid financial hardships, because obviously we're in a crazy time, I really wish that they just wouldn't hold these fights and wait until the infrastructure is better equipped to handle testing for COVID-19. But if they fight, I have to watch. You know what? I'm very excited to have live fights back. I actually think it's going to happen this time. While I think the UFC and the Florida government uh, put the proper precautions in place, you just can't predict any injuries from happening. All the fights that everybody loves that involve the fight of the night bonus collectors, you know, both of those fighters often end up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. At a time like this, it's dangerous for those fighters. They just cut a bunch of weight. They just had a battle in the cage. So, you know, they're vulnerable. Their immune systems are certainly compromised at this point, you know. And now they're being taken to a place that's full of people sick with a highly contagious virus. You know, not to mention we're going to be piling on a bunch of fight-related injuries to a healthcare staff that's already stressed and overworked, caused by something that could probably have waited a little bit longer. But with that said, Scott, this card is ridiculous, and I can't wait to watch it. And you know, if anybody knows the coronavirus, it's you, my friend, who obviously recovered from it. I'm not sure if I'm as trusting of either the UFC or the Florida government as, as you might be to be taking the best precautions right now. But I figure they'll do what they normally do and maybe a little bit more when it comes to fight medicals and things like that. We'll see. I think we'll have to save analysis for these fights uh, for another week or so because who knows what can change between now and then. Maybe they'll happen. Maybe they won't. Maybe a fight will be added. Maybe one will drop. I'd rather wait to talk about that. But, uh, you know, since our show obviously focuses on judging in MMA, That's really what I want to talk about with you. So what kind of judges are we going to expect in Jacksonville? Is the UFC bringing top officials like Chris Lee or Eric Cologne in right now? I mean, obviously interstate travel's very different than it's usually. What are we looking at? Scott, I think we're going to see some of the higher profile judges that we see on uh, a lot of events. I think we'll definitely see Sal Diamato. I think he's probably a lock for the event. Well, where's he coming from? I don't even know where Sal lives. He can't live in... I bet you he lives in Vegas. He probably does, but you know what? I think he's going to be there. He was in Brazil. Ugh, the world has changed since Brazil. I, I know, but I, I think we're going to see Sal Diamato. I think we'll probably see uh, Derek Cleary. 
we'll probably maybe see some local judges on the Wednesday card that we don't typically hear about. Um, I mean, my bet would be that we'll see a lot of local judging happening here. Personally, I, I did a little digging just to see which judges only judged Florida UFC events last year, and there were five of them, according to MMA Decisions. That was Richard Bertrand, Barry Luxembourg, Michelle Olney, Daniel Torres, and Troy Winkapaw. So no offense, though, you know, I looked over kind of their, you know, what they did last year, what kind of cards they turned in, and the final scores that they turned in were not drastically different from anybody else they were judging against, but I always worry about judges who don't work in other states because typically the ones who work in other states are the ones who are more experienced, you know, when it comes to fights. and You can say they're better. Especially the local fighters, or excuse me, especially the local judges, they don't really give out 10 eights very often that's just that's a pattern that we seem to notice right dan yeah they're you know they're we can say they're just not as good yeah if if they were if they were better they'd work in other states but i'm worried that's gonna be yeah i'm worried it's gonna be a healthy helping of them you know it's possible we see the five you just mentioned on all three cards uh, over, who knows <laughs> over that and they just each five work i'm I, I can't imagine we're going to have like a, a typical Vegas card where we have, you know, eight to 10 judges working 12 fights. I think they're going to be nah. five judges like they did in Brazil. And they do in a lot of states, unfortunately. And these guys are going to be scoring a lot of rounds, which, you know, it could take its toll towards the end of the card. You know, you get a little burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> and you always worry about uh, if, the, if the fights are back to back to back to back and they got the guys still, you know, guys and gals still staffed to score fights, you know. Because they got to take a break. Well, also, there's two title fights. I, you know, they may do the same crew for each each title fight. Who knows? Uh, you know, we're speculating, of course. We these are a lot of what ifs and things, and and we don't have the answers yet. And something tells me that neither the UFC nor Florida's uh, commission is going to be very forthcoming with a lot of these answers until right up until they need to be. Um, but I mean, what about the referees, though? You know, they, they're. I don't want to get too deep into you know which referees they're going to get, but are the refs, are the judges, are is everybody who's going to be dealing with the fighters there? Are they also getting screened for coronavirus? Are we are we making sure that these people who are getting in close proximity to you know these compromised individuals like you talked about are they is everybody safe? That's what I want to know. I think anybody that's working that card from production to the setup crew for the ring and everything to the judges to the fighters to the executives i think they're all going to be uh properly screened but why do you think that i think that because that's the only way you can do it <laughs> yeah i would agree it's the only way you can do it but will they do it <laughs> that's, that's the question i have i'm saying i'm not a genius and if i realize this i'm sure someone there that's making decisions also realizes this no, if we were if we were making smart decisions, we probably wouldn't be where we are today. The, the one thing I just want to make clear, though, is that I very much want to watch fights. There's a lot of narratives out there that people in the media just don't want fighters to fight right now. They don't like the UFC. They don't like fighting. It's like, I love these fights. I'm sitting here watching fights that are 18 years old, and it's not because I don't like fighting. I love fighting. I love watching fights. And I want these fighters to fight and get paid, especially get paid, because right now things are tough for a lot of people. I just don't think it's the right time to be doing it for a lot of the reasons you mentioned before. 
not that I know anything more than anybody else, but I feel like June things are going to be in a lot better shape and, and you can start thinking about doing stuff like that, but it's, it's just too soon. That's my opinion. I'm done talking about fights that might not even happen. Let's shift to one that already took place. Bendo versus Melendez. Before we get to that fight, Dan's going to remind you of the Couchside Judges scoring system and what makes it different from the ABC's 10-point must system. Our system is really similar, but we have some key differences. We got rid of aggressiveness and area control as tiebreakers when effective strike and grappling are even. This allows for more frequent 10-10 rounds. We give a 10-9 round when one fighter had a small but noticeable advantage. A 10-8 is for a round that's clearly and solidly won by one of the fighters. And a 10-7 is for a dominant round that you might think of as a 10-8 round by the current ABC standard. All this allows for more diverse round scores without blowing up the entire 10-point must system. Okay, Scott, set the stage for Henderson Melendez. Yeah, so this was the main event for the 7th UFC on Fox card as part of their long-term deal they had with the Fox Networks. Uh, on April 20th, 2013, so it just passed the seven-year anniversary last week, at HP Pavilion in San Jose, California, which, as you may or may not remember, was the old frequent home of Strike Force events. So it was practically a home game for Melendez, who was coming in as the Strike Force lightweight champion. Nine of his 30 career bouts were actually at that arena, including six of his last nine entering this fight. So it really was just... That was where Melendez was fighting at that point. Henderson, though, coming in at 19-2, and two, and he'd been the champion for more than a year. He'd taken the title off of Frankie Edgar the previous February. Check out episode 9 of the Couchside Judges where we go back and look at the Edgar Bendo series. Yeah, that was a really good episode. I, I enjoyed talking about both those fights, and th that was just last week, too. So go back and check out episode 9. Now, also, uh, Henderson, he had cruised past Nate Diaz in... His last title defense, which was the second time he'd successfully defended, four months before the bout with Melendez. Now, Melendez, who's Nate's teammate, as of course you know, was 21-2. and two. He hadn't lost in nearly five years. And this was his UFC debut because Strikeforce was just folded into the UFC at this point. He'd been considered by most people to be the top 155-pounder outside the UFC for many years. He was on an impressive seven-fight win streak. Josh Thompson twice. Shinya Aoki, Tatsuya Kawajiri, and Jorge Masvidal. He really beat Thompson twice? Wow. Yeah, he did. And that was really the last loss Melendez had suffered to that point was to Thompson. So he was actually avenging the loss to Thompson when he beat him twice. So he ended up winning that trilogy. Oh, he fought him three times. Those were good fights, too, that I'd encourage anybody to go back and watch. The judges for this fight, though, were Derek Cleary, Wade Vieira, and Mike Bell. And the referee was Big Don McCarthy. All right, Danny, give us round one. What's going on? The calf kicks were back. I feel this is, has now become a bendo staple in all his fights. You're just going to see these calf kicks. But you know what? It, it ended up pretty quickly starting to leave a mark on Melendez, too. That was a big deal in yeah, this fight. He was marked up. His leg later on starts, you know, the bruises start coming through. And Melendez has those, you know, for lack of a better word, chicken legs. They're not nearly as thick as, as Benson's. He does. That man, uh, I don't know if he skips leg day. Anyway, another story that we've seen in past Henderson fights is his kicks get caught. And we saw that throughout this round. Melendez caught, caught a bunch of kicks. It's true, but even when he throws those kicks and they're caught, they're landing pretty well. And it's not like every time he's paying for the fact that the kick was caught. It's just It just kind of happens. Right. He, I believe he actually paid more in this fight uh, from the catches than he did in the past Edgar fight. But 
I thought Melendez had some good offense in this round. It's funny. His offense was very strange because when you look at the stats, he landed one of his 19 significant strikes to the head. One out of 19. He's just he's just chucking up there. But he had that takedown. He had that situation where he kind of had Henderson stacked against the fence a little bit. He really was controlling the round, in, in my opinion, even though his offense was a little sporadic as far as successful offense. He was more aggressive than actually landing. Yes, he was very aggressive, but as you know, uh, we do not count aggressiveness. That's right. But Henderson had good offense, too. He had some weird offense in this thing. Like I think he just tried some weird kicks thinking that they would be effective. I don't know how effective those little ankle kicks were. I kind of written wrote them off as similar to a foot stomp. When we saw him, had he had him uh, clinched against the cage. Yeah, he threw nine leg kicks in that round, and that was out of his 17 significant strike attempts. So more than half of the strikes that he threw out there were kicks to the legs. Throughout this whole fight, I think kicks played a major role. As they often do for Henderson. Anyway, I ended up scoring this thing 10-9 for Melendez. I thought it was pretty even pretty much throughout the whole round. What really put it over for me was the takedown that Melendez got while he didn't do anything really while he had the takedown. He landed a, a pretty good knee on the break from the takedown, and I felt, you know, if he didn't have the takedown, he would never have gotten that strike. That was a good knee, absolutely, yeah. I think that's probably the most significant offense that you saw, at least in one instance uh, from that round. That was really close. I also went 10-9 Melendez, but uh, it was so close. I think you could you could really consider 10-10 in that round. Yeah, I, I wouldn't fault the 10-10 there. Mm-hmm. And it's, especially with Melendez, he's, his offense looked better than it actually was because he was being so aggressive. But as you mentioned, we don't grade aggressiveness, so that doesn't count. Right. But I should say this, though. All three judges, first off, they agreed with us, 10-9 Melendez. But even John Crouch, uh, Bendo's coach, he pointed out between rounds, according to Joe Rogan, that Bendo let it get away, and, and he let Melendez control the pace. So then round two comes along, and that's where you really do see Henderson listen to his coach, and he says, okay, I'm going to try and take the pace back and make it my fight. Yeah, he, he really picks up the pace. The only thing is he's not really mounting any offense. No, no, he's really not. It's, it's still not a high volume, but but it was more volume than the first round. Oh, yeah, by far. He's de- there's definitely a new pace here, but what we do learn in this round is that Melendez is get having a lot of success when he's able to pressure Henderson against the cage, and Henderson's trying to circle away, but he can't, and that's when you know Melendez turns up the aggressiveness and he starts landing some pretty decent shots. That's the most success I feel in the striking for Melendez throughout this fight. The thing that struck me for Melendez, at least in the early part of this round, is you're still seeing him just attack with these winging overhand rights that are so wild, and and they're not really landing all that well. Eventually, he did start to find a little bit of a home for it, because you saw later on, he makes Henderson's nose bleed. Yeah, he he does uh, bust the nose a little bit. thought Henderson's knees were pretty strong strikes, the ones to the midsection. Mm-hmm. They were pretty pretty heavy knees, I felt, and, and pretty effective. thought the back and forth throughout this round was pretty even until, I think it was like about 30 seconds or maybe a minute. Yeah, it was about a minute. Things really heated up. Yeah, they, they really get after each other. But I feel Henderson was the one landing the better uh, flurry. He had a couple good elbows. He ended the round landing some good strikes against the cage, and I felt that's what edged it for him. And I really? went 10-9 Henderson. 
See, I when you told me that after I had already watched it the first time, and I obviously in my process I go back and watch a second time. The first time without sound, the second time with sound. So when I watched the second time, I kind of tried to see if I could see it your way. But I, I still completely disagree. I think the damage to the nose, that's immediate impact. That's something that has to get graded more. It is immediate impact. I, I'll give you that. I just don't think that it outweighs the knees that Henderson landed, and especially those elbows with the minute left. I thought those were were strong. They were. They were. Don't get me wrong. And this was a close round. So, you know, for you to say you went one way, I went the other way. I understand that. That's, that doesn't really bother me too much, so I can see that. But I, I worry about kind of that end-of-the-round kind of bias that can come into play. That's not what I'm saying is happening for you, but when I was watching it, I was trying to not just say, okay, last 30 seconds, oh, wow, he's, he's doing good. I guess that outweighs everything. Because I, I definitely wanted to remember the immediate impact that we got mm-hmm. from making his nosebleed there. So I did go Melendez. Only Derek Cleary agreed with me. Actually, Mike Bell and Wade Vieira saw it your way at 10-9 Henderson. Uh, So you have it tied, though, at 19 apiece, right? Yes, 19-19. And I've got 20-18 to Melendez. But I still view this as a really close fight. So, you know, as much as I think our system is a better way to grade, I'm still grading it in 10-9s right now. So it's, it's not a whole lot different than what any judge would have been doing that night. Derek Cleary and I actually have the same scorecard right now. But round three... That's when I felt Henderson really built off of that momentum from the end of round two. He definitely did. He had a little extra on his kicks this round. Yeah. He was finding a groove, really. That's what I think it was. He just he kind of started to really feel that at the end of round two. Yeah, I, th- I thought through the, throughout this round he had really good kicks, but it was still pretty even striking exchange. Uh, Gilbert landed some you know, pretty good uh, strong rights. He's still doing a lot of throwing and not landing, though. That that was kind of another thing. For sure. that That's that's a story of this fight that I want to get into. But his best offense, in my eyes, is when Benson's stuck on the cage and he's trying to circle out to get back to center. And he's really turning this, this fight into a brawl. He, he wants Henderson to brawl with him. Oh, definitely. Uh, they had some really, really good exchanges this round. So I have it pretty even, and I'm like thinking, man, this is like a 10-10 to me. Until... There's 10 seconds left, and Henderson lands a hellacious light kick, drops Melendez, gets on top, he's inside control, and he's just dropping elbows. That was a hell of a way to end that round, and I thought it made the round clear and decisive, and I had to give Henderson a 10-8. You know, it's funny, because that was actually the second time that Melendez had his leg kicked out that round. He had the round a minute into the round, you'll recall, Bendo chops out his, his left leg as well. So this is the second time. That one didn't really lead to as much offense like you were saying at the end where he he piled on and got to side. But having said that, I really thought that Melendez was still able to mix it up a little bit. Uh, I remember midway through the round, I wrote down solid right from Melendez. I I thought he had a really nice right hand that he landed on Henderson. That really stuck out for me too. And I think as much as I went Henderson, first off, Henderson got the round. I didn't want to go 10-8 in our format. I think it only it's a 10-9. Even though it was the most clear round to this point, I still thought that his edge in the round was more slight or you know small than and kind of very solid and clear. It was slight until that last 10 seconds. In my eyes, I, I thought for sure that that uh, damaging leg kick 
followed by landing inside control, followed by elbows to finish the round. I don't know. I would have loved to see what happened if there was another uh, another few seconds left on the clock. Hey, give me a few more seconds and maybe I feel very differently. I, you know, I didn't think that Melendez was in all that much trouble really at that point for me to just project what could have happened. I would have liked to have seen that and very, you know, you give him those 10, 10 more seconds even, maybe I can change my mind. But I, I, I still feel good about a 10-9 here. Yeah, it was um, it was close up until I, I can't fault the 10-9. I, I just thought that made the round very clear and decisive. Henderson. Gotcha. Man, d- different strokes. Some people agree with you. Some people agree with me, I'm sure. But so at this point, my score is 29-28 for Melendez. How do you have it? 29-27 for Henderson. The scores from the judges, all three agreed this was a Henderson round. I think that's the only way you see this one. Absolutely. It has to be Henderson. This is the only round where I think you're going to sit there and say, you can't score it the other way. Right. And just to be clear, if I was judging uh, KHI with these guys, I would have gave 10-9 for Henderson. Yes, of course. Our, our scoring system is is different than uh, what they were working with in 2013. So that makes sense. So now we're getting into the championship rounds, which both of these men are very familiar with. And... Benson is is yeah he's he's still in control here. I think he's really got the momentum in this fight. Yeah, Henderson's definitely in control right now. And you know what? The big thing is the success Melendez was having when he's backing Henderson onto the cage. Henderson is more comfortable now, and he's countering pretty well off the cage and landing and some Melendez pretty good strikes. And Melendez is very slow to counter too. Yes, he has lost a bit of steam this round. It appears he's definitely he's definitely slower. He's not as aggressive. Maybe he's just pacing himself. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it was. Uh, you know, it's hard to say because it's not the. It's not that Gilbert can't go five hard rounds. He's done it before. But for whatever reason, maybe it was just the kicks. You know, maybe they were just taking their toll. I'd have to think that you eat enough kicks from Henderson. He kicks hard. You know, he certainly looks like he does. Uh, he definitely kicks hard. He kicked his legs out from under him again, and Gilbert went for a ride. He did. He did. I mean, that's what happens when you got those. You got. You can't skip like that. You just can't. <laughs> you can't skip because then you end up on, on the ground and, and Henderson takes you back. Henderson never skips like day. No way. <laughs> yeah, so Henderson, he grabbed the back uh, briefly. I think he landed a strike or two. Yeah. Uh, but he never got the hooks in and uh, they were back on the feet. But that was a great leg kick, which was a counter to uh, Melendez leg kick. And it, it landed. It was really nice. And I, I thought that was a very effective strike for this round. I do remember, uh, though, Melendez was putting together a little bit of good body work in this round. He does, towards um, the end of the round. Yeah, in the final 30 seconds or so, you kind of started to see him really try to steal the round back, because it was mostly Henderson at that point with, with right. kicks, and, yeah. and he had a hard knee uh, about a minute 30 into the round that, even though Gilbert caught it, I, re- I just remember this knee sticking out. It looked pretty hard. I don't think he was able to steal the round back. I think this was a 10-9 Henderson round. What do you think? I scored it the same way, uh, 10-9 okay. for Henderson. I thought that Melendez, that last, you know, food body shots, a couple to the head, I thought it was a little too late, but I could definitely see someone saying, you know, well, he salvaged a 10-10 out of that. Right, but, but I don't. But but would, I don't. You, would you understand someone going all the way to Melendez? No, no, I wouldn't. I would not. I could not give this round to Melendez. No way. That's what Wade Vieira did. That was he gave a ten nine to Melendez on this particular night, whereas Mike Bell and Derek Cleary gave ten nine Henderson just as you and I did. That yeah, I thought that was a little strange. Uh, I didn't think this was a particularly close round. I think round three and four 
so far now we've seen those are kind of easier rounds to score. Like you said, maybe a 10-10. I didn't see it close enough to get a 10-10. I, I thought Henderson scored plenty during the rest of the round to be able to weather what really wasn't terrible trouble that he was put in from Melendez. It was just good offense. So, Dan, before we get to round five, what's your cumulative score? 39-36 Henderson. Okay, and I have 38-38 tie ball game. Oh, this deciding factor for you. Mm-hmm. Comes down to this. So what did you see in this round, though? Scott, what I saw in this round was a clear reason why we don't score aggressiveness nor control, why we completely mm-hmm. ignore that. Melendez, he looked great. He looked like he was definitely winning the fight. He was the one putting the pressure, but he was landing just as many strikes as Henderson was in return. Yeah. So... To the you know to the fans probably in the crowd it looks like wow Melendez is really taking it to him especially a pro Melendez crowd for sure I mean Northern California home of Strike Force that's right yeah. they know their guy definitely cheering for him I mean he, he just he applied pressure but he there was nothing behind it for this pretty much the entire round early in the round Henderson landed a great combo it was inside leg kick followed by a two three and I thought that was very good combo landed by henderson yes that was a good time i remember that going too the final minute more, some more equal exchanges and the bell rings they both think they won they raised their hand i don't think anybody won this round i went 10 10 yeah this was this was really close i remember a strong knee from melendez with about 80 seconds left in the fight that was a, a good strike from him and henderson was landing good kicks here but yeah, I didn't even think Henderson was making enough of a difference with his kicks at this point, which is kind of funny because in round five with someone who has shown to be compromised, he got his legs kicked out in the previous two rounds. It was a little surprising that it wasn't able to capitalize even more by round five. And I also went 10-10. Yeah, I don't see another way to score. I mean, if I had to score it using the, the ABC, I'd go 10-9 Melendez strictly on the aggressiveness. Yeah, I think once you put the aggressiveness in there, sure. But but we don't score that, and he was landing just as much as Henderson was was countering in these uh, wild flurries that he was throwing in, uh, throwing at him. Now, Dan, like I said, you told me your round scores after I'd watched my fight the first time, and then I went back and I tried to watch, and I'm like, mm, I just don't see it that way. But when I watched round five the first time, I did give Melendez a 10-9 and the fight, but... On second watch, I, I do agree with you on this round that it, it is a 10-10, like I said, and that actually gives me a draw. All right, so you got a draw, which I guess that's okay. It was, it was a fun fight. Yeah, I think if you watch this fight, you know, if I had to pick a winner just based on who I thought really won the fight, I would say Benson Henderson won the fight, but not by a very significant margin, not one where I would say he was robbed if he didn't get the win. Which is funny because I remember thinking Melendez won the first time. Oh, I by the way, we should add that the judges that night in round five, both Vieira and Bell saw it for Melendez 10-9, and Derek Cleary gave that to Henderson. My final score, I had it 49-46 for Henderson. Okay, so yeah, you, you ended up giving it pretty solidly for him, which I just didn't think... 49-46 sounds like a pretty significant win. I just didn't think it was that close or that that far off it was it was very close i should say the 10-8 in round three that i gave i think that's really it Mm -hmm. yeah i guess so 
If it, even if I give 10-9, it's still 49-47 Henderson. Uh, now, you and I story. did disagree on round two as well. I really thought the knees and the flurry at the end with the elbows, uh, I gave him that round. Ah, it was a super close round. I, I think, <laughs> gosh, if you wanted to say that rounds one, two, or five was a 10-10, it would be really hard for me to argue based on our scoring system because those were hyper-close rounds. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind going that way. I, I, I flirted with it a bit. Mm-hmm. The judges, though, that night, as as we mentioned earlier, this was a split decision that went to Henderson. Bell and Cleary gave it to Bendo. Uh, Vieira is the one who gave it to Melendez, uh, which, again, I, I thought Melendez won when I watched it live. Looking back, I, I wish they just had a rematch this, just because it was such a close fight. Um, but we never got one. You know what also doesn't help is that you got Jake Shields saying that Gilbert's up 3 nothing, And that that's going to play in the viewer's mind, so that's why I could see why a lot of people also went for Melendez. You know, for me, this was... I just didn't think Melendez fought all that well. I, I didn't think it was a very good debut for him. You know, maybe it was that, you know, shoulder injury that he had been getting over that you heard uh, Rogan and Mike Goldberg talking about. Maybe that ended up having a, a role in the way he fought. It totally did. I don't remember him being a brawler like that with these wild punches. I thought he had better boxing. Yeah, he uh, he does. I mean, he he can make fights pretty wild too. But no, I I just didn't think this was a very good performance from him. It was it was a little disappointing, especially as a debut. And I don't think it was octagon jitters. I I don't put that on someone who's as veteran as him. This from Henderson though, totally typical Henderson performance. Yeah, it's a Ben Henderson fight, a split decision. <laughs> yes, indeed. But even you would agree that he won this one. Yes, I, he won this one. But Scott, this was the last title fight that Henderson won, right? It was. Yeah, this was basically, I don't want to call it the high point because it wasn't really a, a sturdy win, but probably the Diaz fight was, was his high point because that was just a very good victory over over you know somebody we all knew. Yeah, it was a pretty dominant fight. But this was his third successful title defense in a row. The next fight after that was August the same year, and that's when he met his, his nemesis that he couldn't get over, Anthony Pettis, who subbed him with an arm bar, like we mentioned in our previous episode. Now, he bounced back. He beat Thompson, and he beat Rustam Kabilov. Those were good wins, but unfortunately, right after that, he got knocked out in half a round by Rafael Dos Anjos, and that effectively ended his title hopes, and that only got even worse when he lost to Donald Cerrone, after he had beaten Cerrone the first two times they had fought. So it was kind of funny that he took a fight against a guy he'd beaten twice, had nothing to gain from it, and then he ended up losing. Yeah, you know what? Maybe the weight cut to 155 was getting to him, and that's why he jumped up to 170 after this uh, loss to Cerrone. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that played a huge role in it. And in his second fight there, he took a decision against Jorge Masvidal. The BMF. It looks like a good win, especially in hindsight, but it was after that fight that he left his gloves in the cage, and he left the UFC. He signed with Bellator. He lost two title fights for them, though, in, in separate weight classes, lightweight and welterweight. He was kind of stuck in a little bit of a no-man's land there. They were really hoping he'd make an impact, and it just didn't really happen. They were close fights. He was competitive. Unfortunately, we've seen a few guys go over there, and just, they're just not the same fighters. Henderson himself, though, again, he's not what he used to be. But he is a totally underrated fighter overall. I, I don't think he always gets the respect that maybe other champions from that era do or, or even just champions over the last 10 years. Melendez, though, this was kind of the beginning of the end for him, right? 
Yeah, his next fight was against Diego Sanchez, which was actually the fight of the night, which he did win. That was a brutal war. That was like one of the, I think that was the fight of the year in 2013. It might have been. Really? That was an awesome fight. Three round war. But after that win, he earned himself another title shot against Anthony Pettis. He did, but uh, as we know, it didn't work out for him. Yeah, Pettis showed off his uh, submission game again. Got him in a guillotine choke. Yeah, so this fight that we graded tonight with Henderson and Melendez, let's not forget that Anthony Pettis tapped out both of these guys within a couple years of each other. Yeah, Pettis Pettis really was scary at one point. He really was, and he fell off completely too. Well, not completely. He's, he's obviously still a very respected fighter at both welterweight and lightweight, but he's not championship caliber anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but, but back to Melendez. He's been on a five-fight losing streak since beating Diego Sanchez back in 2013. It's it's been a shame cuz he was he really was a talented fighter that nobody got to see for so long if you didn't watch Strike Force. If you were UFC only, you didn't know just how good he was. He ended up losing to Eddie Alvarez who, you know, was pretty much the other guy that if you didn't think Gilbert was the best outside the UFC at 155, you thought it was Eddie almost exclusively. And then he lost to Edson Barboza too. He lost a he lost the good fighters. Good fighters, but it just wasn't working out. And actually, after the loss to Alvarez, he tested positive for a banned substance, and he was suspended for a year. So that really interrupted his career. After he lost to Barboza at lightweight, that was the end of him at lightweight. He said, okay, I'm going to try at 145 pounds. Hadn't been there in about 12 years. Loses his first fight there to Jeremy Stevens in a fight where he just got his legs kicked out. Again, brutally, repeatedly. And then he lost to Arnold Allen. The UFC released him after the Allen loss last year, and he had a wonderful career, a really incredible career, and he's one of the best lightweights ever in MMA. Oh, for sure. If he wants to walk away, he's got nothing left to prove. He has nothing left to prove. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. Scott and I will be back at the end of the week with another past judgment focus show. That's got the controversial Nick Diaz versus Carlos Condit interim title fight on tap. So don't miss out on how the CSJ system affects that one. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Dan Urban MMA. And you can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and be notified when episodes come out. Thanks for listening, you guys. Stay healthy and safe. See you later.